morning, everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend PMH Otwater. Hi, PMH. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk with you. I just love your energy and I want to be like you when I grow up. That um, you're still you're having so much fun and you're so creative and you're so um, uh, here to serve. And that's the part that I hope everyone that is new to your work will get excited and start wanting to explore your work. Um, for everyone that's new to PMA, she is a researcher and she had three near-death experiences within three months of her 1977 life. Um, and that had to be disorienting. So we're going to talk about her new book. Um, that's going to explain a little bit about it. But we're also going to talk about her curiosity where she's made, I think, tw over 20 books now. Um, recently, 19, 19. 19. Okay. Well, uh, well, you're working on the 20th. So yeah, working on the 20th. <laughs> wild. Um, but, but because of her own experience and her lack of fear of the unknown, um, she, she has been relentless in the pursuit of data and confirmation and research that helps all these people that have had um, out-of-body experiences or paranormal experiences explain it and and categorize it and and give us data that really is going to help us in our evolution um, of our species so welcome 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 PMH. Hello, hello. <laughs> oh, so, so PMH, okay, so I met you at IONS, I think, six years ago, maybe, um, and you, you're there every year, and every year you're um, helping people with their understanding of the out of um, the ordinary, exp disorienting experiences they've had, right? Yes. <laughs> so, think about that. <laughs> well, well, yeah, please do. That's what. That's why I wanted to ask like a leading question to get you started because I know what I do is help people to be who they really are. Perfect. I. I mean. I mean. That's it in a nutshell. I mean, you could talk about other realms, and you could talk about other lifestyles and planets. And, and all kinds of things. But it all boils down to one thing. Be who you are. Perfect. Because who you are is vast. Absolutely vast. You don't have any limits. Except those you set for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely vast. Okay. So, so your books, I love all your books and this new book that you just wrote that will show the cover of it in a little while is um, your story. So how was that hard to write your own story? I mean, oh, my books dear, are my dear Ken Rain, who, who, um, who validated Raymond Moody and his uh -huh. book, Kenneth, Dr. Kenneth Rain has been after me for five years. We're, we're buddies, by the way. He's been after me for five years. He said, we know your research, but we don't know you. Oh, perfect. And I tried, I tried 
to do one and he kept coming back. He said, no, 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 this isn't it. This isn't it. Do it again. I've been doing it again for five years. And, and so, hey, folks, <laughs> what you got is 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 all that all I all I can do. Um, I, I wrote the book to read fast so that you don't get hung up on emotions or anything else. But but you really see what my life is, what I've been through and how I have handled that. Right. Or, right. or, or not handled it. Well, okay, so let's talk about fearlessness because part of your, your, you know, the emotional body can put you in a trauma loop and keep you from going forward. But you, you have the capacity, I mean, after going through these things to move forward. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. You know? Dear, I had two mothers, five fathers. Wow. I grew up during World War II, being heavily affected by Pearl Harbor. I grew up with death absolutely everywhere. Everywhere there's death. I, uh, um, I was born with dyslexia and synesthesia wow. in days when nobody ever heard of that. So my first grade, um, in Twin Falls, Idaho, little town in Idaho, but long blocks, I was walking to, to, to my school. And in those days, if anybody died in the war effort, you got this big, huge gold decal, gold star that you put on your, your living room window, window so everyone could know your sacrifice. So I'm walking to school and here are all these gold stars. I don't know why Twin Falls lost so many people in the war effort, but we did. And so here's all these gold stars and this one um, home. I'm walking, you know, walking to the first grade. Here's this, this one home that had, I believe, five new gold stars overnight. Oh, and, and, and kids know. I just stood there and cried and cried and cried. I do not remember one single morning when I, I got to school without... Tears and shudders. Wow! I had to quiet those down to go in, in in the school, but because I was born with dyslexia and stenosthesia, I, I spent most of the first grade on a tall stool in front of the class, having to wear a tall conical hat that said "dunce" on it, as, as a as a as an example of a bad child who told lies. I didn't lie. I told the truth, but everybody else thought I was lying. The principal tried to kick me out. Um, it, it was just one thing after another. And, and um, you, know, you know, I guess for most people, they would have been undone by this. But for, for me, I became a fighter. <laughs> yes, a fighter. I decided at the end of the first grade that I was never going to grow up because adults were stupid. <laughs> and you've succeeded. <laughs> well, anyway, adults are still stupid. <laughs> and I became a stupid adult. <laughs> no, you aren't. No, 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 no. Well, look, I was always one who did, did things differently. I did both uh, in both worlds. 
Well, okay, so I have a quick question. Can you explain what synesthesia is to people that don't know? I do know. It, but, um, it's, a, it's a part of the limbic system in the brain where your, your sensory system works differently. So I could smell color, right? see music, and hear numbers. Yes. Now, there wasn't anything wrong with me. But, uh, you know, this is the way my world works. Right. And uh, for different people, it can, it can be different ways, but that's the way it was for me. Right, right, right. Perfect. Well, okay, so did you learn then after you got older to, um, to not show or display that no. information? No, I had a wonderful mathematics teacher. I'm sure he, 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 um, he preferred to play uh, basketball or, or some, something with the kids. So he had this, this way of teaching people. He said the first one, um, he'd give you a problem. First one up to the desk got an A plus. Second one got an A. Third one got an A minus. Fourth one got a, a, a B minus. And, and he had... He had this way of saying, well, I can call on you at any time and you have to get up in front of the class and tell everyone how you got your, your numbers, how you got your answers. So sure enough, the day came when I was called up. So I, 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 I was truthful. I said, well, you know, I get together with my friends and we jump over fences and we go and we crawl under trees and, and, and we experiment with things. And that's how I get my answers. <laughs> I'd love to have had a camera. That man's <laughs> <laughs> a little bird come around. It couldn't make a nest in his mouth. <laughs> the wonderful thing he said that has stayed with me all my life. He says, as long as you as you get the right answer, keep going. Good. Wasn't that wonderful? Yes. My mathematics teacher gave me permission to be myself. Right, right. Because because um, PMH, when I was eight, I realized I saw and knew things that no one else around me heard things that no one else around me heard, and I shut up. Because I, I asked around and no one saw it. So I thought, okay, I better not say anything because I wasn't sure what the consequences would be. Well, I had some of that too, because, you know, I had two mothers and five fathers. And so when I finally, you know, I was raised by Norwegians. And, and so I grow, <laughs> I was started to, starting to grow up thinking I was a Norwegian. Then my mother took me back. And, um, uh, she would curse at me and cuss me um, almost every day, every week. Mm. And I got to the point where I hated my mother. Oh. I absolutely hated, hated that woman. Um, and there, this incredible thing that happened, it, it, I think I was in the sixth grade, and everyone was gone, and I looked at myself in the bathroom mirror, and I and I. And I was so hateful. I, I was just so filled with that that energy that it showed. 
And I remember pointing in the mirror and, and saying, I'm going to change you. I don't know how, but I'm going to change you. Well, I swear the air has ears, you know, and all, all kinds of things begin to happen. Um, and, and in my book, uh, Edgewalker, I, um, I go through this, what unconditional love really is and, and how to work with it, how to be it, how to allow that to be a part of our lives because we just don't go around loving people. It's more than that. And I help you to tune into that in the book, um, especially for near-death experiencers, what unconditional love really is. When, um, when I got to the point, year, I mean, decades later, when I got to the point with my mother that uh, uh, she would call me on the phone like every week, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. The woman never said hello. She she just started cussing and screaming at the world and she'd go on and on about how horrible people were. And I just let her talk. Uh -huh. She was through. I always said, I love you, mother. Thank you. And I'd hang up. And I did this for two years and, and then she died. And it, it, it was a while after she died that I came to understand what unconditional love is. It's not just loving someone. I came to the point where I realized her, her hatred was her. Right. It, it, was, it was how she chose to live in this life and it was okay for her to be that way because that was her choice. And when I realized that, that it's okay to be a terrible, that I could love her and bless her and realize what unconditional love really is. You know, it's just a, not a matter of going around loving everybody. Wrong. It's seeing what love is right right and going through what 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 seems to be hurtful or what seems to be wrong or what seems to be irritating go through that and realize what the that is where it's coming from your response to that and understanding that's our blessing. That's right. <clears throat> plus, plus, don't you believe, well, I do. I, I believe this and see what you think, that we picked all of this. So you picked that mother to have in your, before you embodied. Do you believe that? I know that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 I, I needed that experience. Right to help me become the researcher I eventually became and the kind of person I eventually became. 
going through all this business with, you know, all these wars and all this death. Long before anybody ever heard of a near-death experience, I, I was living it in that world and having a, a mother that didn't like me, hated me, and I came to hate her. And then working through that wow. and uh, going through all the stages I, I did, uh, you know, with school and growing up in school and, and, and getting married fairly young, having three children and a, a man that turned on me. He decided, I guess, he preferred to be a homosexual. I'm, I'm not quite sure what yeah. his decision is. <laughs> in, in, uh, for my first one, the light one that's in, you know, way out here, it was my light fixture in the bathroom. And I went up and I, I twirled around the light fixture and I couldn't figure out why every, everything was so far down. <laughs> it was so far down to the toilet, so far down to the sink in the bathtub. And, um, you know, and I, and I left my body and, and then I, I was jerked back into my body, uh, like, a um, an overstretched rubber band, just bang, went back into the body, um, entering, um, and being pulled back even to my toes. So I fit back in because you're larger outside than you are inside. Um, and yeah, <laughs> you never change who you are. I'm a neat Nick, you know, and I saw all this blood and stuff in the, so I, so I cleaned it up. <laughs> I cleaned it all before I went back to bed and got all these pillows, you know, um, uh, uh, um, did what I could to get my legs as high as I could. And, um, yeah, and, and and then my daughters came in the next day and said, you know, Mom, should we call in to to your job? You know, you, 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 uh, go. I was sick, and that's when I became aware of the, the fact that um, not only was I sick, I was very sick. <laughs> um, so I was able. Um, to somehow get dressed and get in my car and go to the doctor's office. It was wow. not that far away, maybe five blocks. It took me a half an hour to get there. Wow. Because the road kept undulating and changing shape and, and the houses. And, and there was zigzags like lightning bolts across the, you know, the driver, driver's um, window. And, uh, and uh, ever so slow to get to the doctor's office, I, I turned off the car and and somehow got inside the office. And fortunately, the nurse was there and she screamed. She says, you look like you're dead. <laughs> so she got me into the doctor immediately. And, and the fool um, just laughed at me and laughed at me he, he, he said you got raped you know a woman of your age you got raped that that's that's your fault and he just laughed and laughed gave me a shot in the right side of the vein where in in in, in the folder 
he held uh, my folder. He knew I couldn't handle it, but he gave it to me anyway, sent me home. And uh, the next day, my right thigh was screaming. I was screaming. Um, the pain was just so bad. I couldn't hardly handle it. So the girls went off to school and I was there alone. And, uh, you know, what do you do? Uh, in those days, um, we only had one phone in the house. It's a ranch style house. And it was a wall phone in the kitchen. You know, you didn't have phones all over. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought, oh boy, I never, I need to get to that phone. I couldn't walk anymore. All I could do was crawl. So I'm crawling at, at um, my bedroom across the living room. Um, um, I made it to the dining room and I, and I died. Um, left my body. This time I knew what was going on. And I was so happy to be out of that thing. <laughs> I twirled around the, the light fixture. This one was not on. And and looking down at my body and say, I'm out of there, I'm out of there, I'm out of there. So good. <laughs> and I, I, I remember coming down to the body and looking around, you know, is there a sniff? Is the body moving at all? All of the, you know, is the heart working? You know, <laughs> and I decided, oh, I really am dead. And so I went back up to the ceiling and I was danced around the, the, the light fixture. This is so good. And then I began to see uh, bubbles. It looked like bubbles in the air and they were beautiful and they were translucent. And, um, and, and I recognized them to be thoughts. Thoughts really are things. Yes. Nobody kid, nobody's kidding us. Right. They really have dynamics and, and density. And I thought, okay, if I can create thoughts, then I can make things. So I decided to make a house. Oh. Uh, a white house, four square with a big porch, three steps going up, big brass doorknob. And I remember doing this and and thinking and somehow it hurt a little bit it's like going skiing for the first time in in you know yeah uh, in in the winter putting on the skis and it kind of hurts a little bit yeah. a little bit uh aches well that's what it felt like but i got my house and i ran around it and and you know walked up the stairs and you know the doorknob and it was real and then i decided okay i'm going to make an oak tree <laughs> you know that was a house that's inanimate i want to do something animate an oak tree right and a gigantic oak tree complete with insect holes <laughs> and big huge roots oh i was so happy and I, I decided to make a, a city. And I did. All a city and dogs and cats and trash cans and houses and, and 
you know, roads and uh, voice and, and people, you know, talking and, and living their life. And when I did that, all of my, uh, many of my loved ones who, who had died and gone on came back to visit me. Oh, wow. Including a grandfather I had never known, never visited, never seen. And he came up and introduced himself to me. And it just, I, I recognized in him many of the, uh, the dynamics that I have came from that grandfather. You know, it's like, wow. And then Jesus came. I'd always wanted to see Jesus. There he was. And, and it was just so joyful. And we hugged and we hugged. And it was, just, it was so joyful. And there was never, never any need to worship him or be at his feet. He's my elder brother. Oh, it's just, it was so wonderful. And then he left. And when he left, my loved ones left. And I decided, um, well, I ought to get rid of the um, the city and everything, everything else. Um, and there for a while, I was just in total blackness, darkness, um, the void. I was in the void. I've been there. Been in the void. And in that void, there is nothing. Everything that's ever existed is there. Everything that ever will exist is there. Is there. But there's nothing there. Exactly. And so. Pure potential. Um, but there is something there. That's right. Pure potential. It's shimmer. Yep. Shimmer. It's a, it, it's a, it's that that same feeling when you, when you make a Jello dish and you and you put it upside <laughs> down and it pops out on the plate and uh, and you're about to touch the Jello. <laughs> there's a shimmer. There's a shimmer, and that's what the the void feels like. And and then um, the past life re review, and in my case. It wasn't just reviewing everything I've done and said, but everything. My presence, my energy, how that affected by everyone who walked by me, whether I knew them or not. The air, the water, the land, the plants. I got the whole gestalt of my ever being in the earth plane yep. and, and to me that was hell because nobody ever told me that every thought i think goes out and has a life of its own i didn't know that and i did i just uh, that was hard to take and then then i forgave myself yeah Yep. Because I didn't know any different, so I forgave myself. And on that forgiveness, it became like a, a carpet, and I, I, I flowed back into my body. Body Sparklers everywhere flowed back into my body. 
I only had another three feet to, to go when I could have pulled on that phone and got it off the hook. I couldn't do it. Oh, wow. And I crawled all the way back to my bed. And there I laid there for a couple of days in a stupor. I did not know who I was. I did not know what food was. I did not know what a newspaper was. I did not know what a bed was. I did not know anything. Wow. And finally, believe it or not, the only thing that brought me out of it was money. <laughs> really? What about your kids? What about your kids? My job. My job. I had I had to get go back to my job. Um, because I had to earn that money to keep us going. Right. So I, I don't know how I dressed. I don't know how I drove down. I was living in Boise, Idaho then down the, the uh, steeps down to, uh, cause I worked at Capitol building, go down to the Capitol building. I, I don't know how I did that. And at that time they were, uh, changing um, my job and where I was located and they were building a whole new bank building. So, you know, it was just in a, 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 a rented sp space where we worked. So I parked my car um, and there was all these stairs. They didn't have an elevator. <gasps> So I'd go up a couple of stairs and fall back a couple of stairs and go up a couple of stairs and fall back a couple of stairs. Finally made it, made it to the second floor, where, which is where I worked. Fortunately, my boss happened to be walking by and she screamed. She said, she looks, you look like you're dead. You know, like the nurse. Oh my God. And so she, she got me to a doctor and, and the doctor, the doctor and his nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, he said, there is no way you can be alive. Wow. But there you I, are. I just looked at him kind of blankly said, well, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> he sent me home. He did not send me to a hospital. He sent me home with pills. I had to take every four hours because if I didn't, I would be dead. So I had to take him every four hours around the clock, day and night. He said, you know, lay, um, lay out on your sofa and watch TV. Well, I laid on my sofa, but I never turned the TV on at all. Because uh, I could hear and see all of my cells in my body. So I went down to all of the cells in my body, the lower part of my body, and apologized for what, I, what happened and how, what I did. And we had a conversation and then <clears throat> you'll love this all of my past lives per, per, um it was like a rainbow rainbow bridge okay that, um that uh, across my chest and all of my past lives paraded from left to right all of them all the way back and it, uh, oh, who who wants to watch TV? <laughs> I, just, I was watching my past lives. And um, that went on for hours. And after that, um, I could hear everybody's thoughts at the same level. I could hear their words and their voice. 
Interesting. So I got to the, the part where I wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, and uh, finally, uh, uh, the house where I lived, the, uh, uh, my, my uh, husband walked out on us. So we were left. And the landlord um, chose to raise the rent higher than I could pay. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I had to move. So, uh, so friends came and we moved to a part of town where I thought would be okay. But neither one of the girls, my son was gone. Um, neither one of the girls liked it, but, but we were stuck there. Yeah. And, and I, I was, oh, gee, this is, this is coming out now to March 29. And I was in that house. It was evening. And the man who raped me came to call. And he said the reason he raped me was a man had raped his daughter. And he wanted to know what that was like to rape someone. So he was um, he was acting out on me like he thought the man must have done to his daughter. And he said, thank you for being there and walked out. That's it. Walked out. And I just, you know, I screamed and fell backward. And that was it. And I died again. What saved me was my son, who had come back from a cruise school in the Atlantic, was that night at the Black Angus bar, tossing some with his friends. My husband is a big, tall Taurus. Yeah, at the Black Angus bar, how perfect can you get? <laughs> tossing some with friends, perfect. And a year later, he told me what happened. He just knew he had to go. Um, so he told all of his friends, put his beer mug down and told his friend, my, my, my mother's in trouble. I have to go home and help my mother. So he walked out the door and, you know, came and um, started talking to my body. That's what saved me. I could hear him. Wow. And I could recognize in his voice, unconditional love. It wasn't a son loving his mother. It was unconditional love. He was giving back to me what I needed to live. Um, he would have, n I would never survived had he gone to the phone and called for, for help. Uh, the, the emergency calls, uh, people could have never been there in time. Wow. Um, our children, all three of them, were raised to always trust and and go to the voice within before they did anything. They, they, they were raised from childhood. We raised them that way. So Kelly was just doing what he was raised to do. That's perfect. I mean, here's his mother dead on a, uh, on a chair, a big, huge overstuffed chair. 
Um, so what, what, what can you do? He went within and the voice said, it doesn't matter what you say, just start talking to your mother. And I heard him where I was. Wow. 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 So I want to know, Auric Vibe put, this is awesome. And then right after she did that, um, Doc Carlita put, it is awesome. <laughs> and then Auric Vibe put rebirth, that your experience was a rebirth. And then she also put the great saga, a saga of lifetimes, when you were talking about experience your past lives. Well, it was in that experience uh, that I uh, that I was told by what I call the voice like none other to do the research I have done. And I have done what I was told to do over 45 years now, nearly 5,000 adults and children written um, 18 books on them. The 19th is, is my, I call it an autobiography. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to your website real quick, uh, PMH, just so that people can see. I want to show them this book. Oh. That's the one you're talking about right now, right? And the new children and near-death experiences. Yes, that too. Uh, that's one, one of my books. I yeah, wrote so many. Uh, I don't know. On this one, I want to talk about that in a few minutes too. Everybody who is a near-death experiencer, and everybody who is, is uh, somehow feels lost in life, read that book. It it is a real manual. It's a fun manual. It it will teach you how to think how to talk, and how to turn your life around. Hugh, remember humans? Yep. Hugh is the ancient sound of God. Human is God-man, God-woman. It's literal. Near-death experiencers, most of us, become co-creators with the creator, or at least that's our challenge. That book teaches you how to do it. That's so cool. Even yeah. an even an acupressure facelift. Don't you <laughs> that, that that's what that's so cool. So so PMH, I mean, you you have had been inspired to share information to have people number one not be afraid of death, but also see the gift in their experience, and allow them to integrate it so that they can participate in this life. So do you feel that that's the biggest gift that has come out of all this work? Or what? what is the biggest gift? I was told to do the research. Right. And the research shows that we are all, every single one of us, co-creators with the creator. Mm-hmm that we all can be what we were meant to be, what we can be, what we want to be. We can all do that. The good, the good with, with the not so good. Right. 
you know, whoever thought that near-death experiences reveal unconditional love. Right. No, they reveal lots of things. They reveal, uh, reveal what creation is. They reveal what human beings are. They reveal what, uh, what our choices are and where they can lead. They help us to be who we are. We are all co-creators with the creator. We are all humans. That's what a human is. Hugh, God, man, woman. This is what we are, humans. Um, yeah. So, so I have to ask a question about being a woman researcher. Um, how was that? The oh, you love this story. You love this story. You love this story. Okay. <laughs> it was 1980. And Terry and I had met Terry Atwater, my husband. We had met. And um, ah, and, and the people I had were living, were living with had invited him to come come down and have spaghetti. Well, I I didn't know that. So I I I had left. Um, they said they lived on Mockingbird Hill outside of Rock, um, Roanoke, Virginia, and I, I was, I, I was coming out, and um, turning a corner, and I recognized him because I'd seen him at church the the Sunday before Unity Church, and I, I, I said, "Would you like to walk with me?" And he thought for a minute, and he said. Okay, so we parked his car, we got hand in hand, and we walked as far as the road went, and then the road ended, and there was a big rainstorm hit, and he was panicking. I said, that's no problem. You just look for a good ditch with, with good ground cover, and we'll be fine. Remember, I'm from Idaho. I'm a practical person. So, uh, so you know, we, we find a, a, a good ditch that burrowed right in there. And we, we were doing just fine. Yeah. And then pretty soon the people I was staying with came up, came up in, in their car and, and the, the reps, Nettie rep. And he, Nettie got out of the car and she screamed, Terry Atwater! What are you doing in the weeds? <laughs> and me, what are you doing in the weeds with him? <laughs> I have never seen a black, black uh, individual turn pink. <laughs> and so we walked back. And... <laughs> We were married six weeks later. Oh, and life is probably 1980. Oh, that's so cool. There's pictures of us toward toward the back of the of the book, um, Edgewalker. Okay, I'm going to show Edgewalker again. Okay. There we go. 
So, so um, I, I've gotten to meet your husband and his voice is, I said, it's like a radio announcer. His voice is just remarkable. Wonderful voice. And he's a wonderful person. Yeah. You know, he's the angel God gave me. I totally believe it. He's the angel God gave me. Uh, we married in 1980. We're st still married. The marriage gets better every year. My kids love him. Um, <laughs> uh, my oldest daughter, she couldn't, she couldn't get to the, to the wedding. So she called him on the telephone and she said, I don't care if you're green with purple polka dots, <laughs> if my mother pregnant, I want a baby brother. <laughs> I figured, <laughs> I figured I raised my kids, right? Uh, but I, I couldn't have any more children, but that's, yeah, <laughs> but that was so funny. That's, that's darling. <laughs> His mouth is just open. Ah. <laughs> well, well, so I want everyone to really look and go on Amazon because this book is uh, self-published, I think, right? No, yeah. it's published well, by Rainbow, Rain, Rainbow Ridge. Oh, okay. And, um, but we want people to go and get it on Amazon. And when you go, you'll see if you, if you follow PMH on Amazon, you're going to see, she has so many incredible books. One's more special than the next. And you can see that, um, they're purely in service. Um, PMH telling her story helps you uh, in so many ways. Yes, the research. Uh, absolutely. And and the big book of near-death experiences. Oh, okay. Let's literally see. A, a global um, uh, encyclopedia of the entire field. And I gave that book to IANS, the International Association of Near-Death uh, Studies. So they get all, all the copyrights. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to see if I can near-death experiences. So if you get the encyclopedia global of the near-death experience, know that uh, that's the book. Know that IANS gets the, uh, all of the copyright for that book. And that book literally is an encyclopedia of the entire field. Uh, right. Anything you want to know about the near-death experience, good or bad or in between, it's in that book. Adults and children, it's in that book. Wow, wow. So so um, I want people to know also that you're working on your 20th book. Yes, um, yes, yes, please, everybody, anybody, everybody. Uh, um, anybody who during their near-death experience or within a year afterward experience something alien. And I'm not going to define alien. It has to be a near-death experiencer who during their experience or within the year afterward experience something alien i need to talk to you send me your story send it to pmh at 
pmhatwater.com. Yep. So PMH is in there twice. PMH at pmhatwater.com. Send me your story. Plus, you got to give me permission to use it. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, when I think last year you had started this new project, and and I think you you're so connected to source. Oh, I came back the first time. That's like voice really. You want another book? August. It was three fifteen in the morning. Three fifteen in the morning, and I'm screaming and I'm yelling and I'm saying no. Another project, no. <laughs> and um, finally, I shut up and said, "Okay, <laughs> do well, another project." <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, oh, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think people will, and I think the opportunity for people to come out and be um, visible now with all the disclosure that's happening, I think you're going to get a lot more. Um, uh, people signing up and sharing their stories now after Stephen Greer did yeah. his uh, disclosure work at Congress and, and with the Press Club. It's now uh, um, acceptable information. Well, wait a minute here. Okay. Most near-death experiencers, or I would say a lot of them, uh, come to believe in or uh, um, come to have some kind of alien experience or see them or feel good about them within about 15 to 20 years of their experience, mm. not during that first year after. Oh, and I'm having a, a dickens of a time finding any that had it during their experience or within a year after. Wow. They'll say, well, the 13 years after or 15 years after or 20 years after or, 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 or. Wow. Um, so I'm very surprised about that. Me too. That, that uh, it has to be within that time frame. I don't know why, but it has to be within that time frame. Wow. Well, I look forward to, I, I'm, I'm love all that stuff. I just, that's like my hobby is, is connecting with the other parts of the universe. And um, the other thing that I wanted to state is that a lot of this information for those of you that have not had a near death experience, but you've had a spiritually transformative experience like I have, PMH's information is invaluable for you to use that information wisely because you don't have to have had the body injury to be have an expand, expanded consciousness that you can't integrate and use right away. So all of that's in the big book. That's yep. in the big book. Yep. Yep. Well, I think all of your books, I mean, the human book, all of the books give a different expanded um, capability and uh, lack of fear to try it. Um, because I think that's where what all of the near-death experiencers talk about, you judge yourself. There wasn't there wasn't a God on a throne that judging you. You went through and you judged if you had done what you wanted. Yep. 
Yep, yep. Okay, so so now I want to um, show the IONS um, event that's coming up where you and I get to hug in person soon. So, yeah, so I'm going to show that, <laughs> that on screen. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And there you are. Yay, right there. You're on the second row down right here. Um, can you see it? There you can. Okay, and look how happy you are. You're always happy. Um, it's it's September September three, and I think it's at is it eleven or twelve somewhere. Okay. Well, the the conference site is the uh, conference.ions.org, and these are some just some. There's hundred over a hundred speakers, but here's oops, my thing just did it. Sorry, stop share and get back. Here we go. Sorry about that. Oh, no, it didn't want to come back. Let's get it back. Um, but uh, what what people will see is that um, that this this group of people, can you see? Oh, shoot, it did it again. So I guess I'm not supposed to show it. Um, okay. Um, what, what I was trying to do is that people know that PMH is, is one of the um, prestigious speakers at this event and that there's people that never miss this event if they can help it that even when we were in lockdown we had the event online and now people from all over the world watch it online while it's in in person but the the opportunity is for people to heal at so many levels their psyche their love you walk into the space and it's a bubble of love. You People remember their connection to who they really are, right, PMH? Yeah, we all remember we're humans. <laughs> right, right. So PMH, will you give us a little hint about what you're going to talk about? I'm going to talk about people like me who got orders. That, that they needed to do some something or um, yeah and that it's not always pleasant that it's not necessarily easy to do at all you know we talk about uncondi unconditional love what is that in the living of your life and in handling all parts of your life, like with my mother. Um, what really is unconditional love? We, we think it's just going out loving everybody. No, it is being that love and recognizing what that love really is. Because it's not necessarily what we think. Right. Um, it, it's like with my mother. I finally got to the point where I realized that her hatred was what made her beautiful, made her wonderful, made her the perfect person she was and is. I got to see the negative side of life 
through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And I got to see how I function in life through a very different lens. That's why I really recommend Future Memory. Read Future Memory. It is not a book. It is a labyrinth. Okay. So when you start reading the book, you are entering the labyrinth. Stay on the path. Like a, a, a real labyrinth. Well, it is a real labyrinth. It'll take you all kinds of different places. Stay on the path. Don't get off the path. When you're at the end of the book, you will no longer be the person you were before. Uh, so sometimes it may take a week or two, okay. but it will change the way you think and it will change who and what you are. It helps you to go through a transformative experience. Um, read the book, Future Memory. It is extremely important that you do. Okay. It's one of the books I was told to write by the voice like none other. They told me to do the research, but it also told me to write two specific books, Future Memory and a Manual for Developing Humans. And it showed me how to write them. So, um, wow. Yes, get Future Memory. It was will help you then to retrain your brain just the reading of that book wow yeah I, so i want to show one more time i want to show your brand new book and um and i'm sure there'll be copies if you come to the ions event that's in near um, washington dc in virginia at the end of the month it starts on the 31st of september and goes through uh, excuse me, 31st of August, and then goes through uh, the 3rd of September. And there will be over 500 of us in in group with setting a field of pure love. And we Terry's there. Terry's there, my husband, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but in the meantime, if you want to see how you can... Um, how you can move through all of the ups and downs of life like PMH. She's a huge, huge example of, of an expanded awareness and a, a human operating for love, from love. Please consider getting this book. Um, I think you'll be so amazed at her, her words and her capability to move you and bring you into a higher perspective for your benefit. Right? Yeah. I can't <laughs> <get enough. laughs> Well, I can't wait to give you a hug in person. And thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for, for meeting me here. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you.